0: hope of the world and the hope of the nations today amen he's not only the hope of the nations he is the one who lives within us he is christ in us the hope of glory let's sing these words together.
1: be seated. I want you to know thank you so much for praying for me. And It seems like it's been forever on a wonderful, wonderful trip. I, they gave me an African name in South Africa, and it's called Muso. A matter of fact, the group that was down there called me Bubba Musa, and it means grace. Of all things, they had no idea what message I'd be preaching there, and And they called me Musa. And I thought, well, okay, that's a good name. So I'm Bubba Musa, I must point on. (laughs) Wonderful trip. Uganda, one of the toughest places I've ever been in my entire life. I guess they have one main paved road throughout the whole country. That's the only one I saw. And everything else outside the cities, which were full of holes anyway, the the roads, you could drop a Volkswagen in them, were dirt roads. You didn't have four-wheel drive. You do not make it over there. Sleep under mosquito nets. That's a malaria infested area. But oh, oh, what awesome times preaching over there. My interpreter in one particular situation, uh, of course, this was South Africa, and the same thing happened in Uganda. They get so excited when they see Christ in you, the hope of glory, that they can't even interpret. They just go, oh, 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 yes, oh. I'm thinking, I don't know what he's doing, but it's kind of fun. Romania was one of the greatest times, 18th time I've been there. And these were brand new folks from Serbia, and from Russia, from five different countries, Israel, all over Romania. It was just an awesome time. Preaching Christ in you, the hope of glory. And the way they received it. It's an interesting the hearing sometimes in places where they have nothing and the hearing in places where they have everything. It's incredible the difference. But I am so glad to be home. Christos, no, kin Christos Trieste. In <laughs> when Christ is in me everything's okay and they picked that up from the message over there and that was an awesome time well in a minute we're going to stand and we're going to shake hands with each other with a couple of announcements to make to you of what's going on today a very busy day I know the seniors are meeting for lunch right after the service and a special time for them and then at 4 o'clock the NSX celebration, four to six, about 700 and some of our folks and other people that everybody that joined in, they're going to have a, some pictures and slides and all, all those kind of things. Going to have food, I understand that usually is a draw. But from four to six, and then at 6.30, there's a special children's musical going to be up in room 231. But for the NSX, watch the video screen. Is that correct? Yes, sir, I'm going to do what they told me to do. Okay, right there. That's going to be a fun time this afternoon. Okay, you need to, you need to exercise. Let's let everybody stand up. Find five or six people around you and just greet them. Put a smile on their face. Let them be welcome.
0: thou fount of every blessing. Come thou
1: seated as we bow our heads in prayer and just draw that imaginary circle around your life as if nobody were here but just you and the Lord. We're going to prepare our hearts to continue to worship him, our Savior that we've just sung about so beautifully, the fount of every blessing. Let's just go before him right now and prepare our hearts to worship him in our giving. It's coming a little later on. Part of worship is that part of that, our service. So just go before him, just draw that circle around yourself and talk to him. Just praise him. If you're a believer, he beckons you into his presence. So just allow him to do that. And you spend that time with him right now. Ask him if there's anything in your life this morning that's grieving or quenching his spirit. Maybe it's an attitude, something like that, I don't know. Just let the Lord speak to you, it's personal. When he convicts you, just remember that confession is part of it. Repentance is never promising to do better, you won't do better. It's changing allegiance, letting Jesus be Jesus in you. So just spend some time with him, just for a moment or two, in this area. Ask the Lord right now, Lord, what would you have me to give? And just purpose in your heart to do whatever he tells you to do. Father, we just come before you right now thanking you for the opportunity we have of worshiping you in this manner. Lord, we know that worship is more than a song and more than a word, but Father, that worship is a life lived, yielded to you. And so, Father, if we come to worship you this morning in our tithes and offerings. I pray, Father, you know, Father, you know the need that we have right now. You know when we go through these lows, and, and Father, you know what you want to do. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would take care of that, that you would speak to people that will listen. And, Father, that we'll just praise you and that may you be honored in what's given today. Father, we do love you. Thank you for first loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Ushers. Father, thank you so very much. Yes, we know you shall reign, and you do reign in our hearts and lives. And you, Father, over all the earth, you're reigning even now. Thank you, Father, the world's not falling apart. The world's coming together. Lord, we thank you that in Christ everything consists. And, Father, as we come to the Word today, I just pray that you'd open up our ears. May there not just be anointed preaching, but may there be anointed hearing. And, Father, may we begin to hear what you're saying to us. May we begin to understand our security and our stability that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray, Father, my weakness, your strength, would be made perfect. We love you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you finally this morning turn with me to the book of Jude. The book of Jude. We've been trying to get there now for about a month and a half. And we're finally arriving. The book of Jude. Small little book. One chapter. Such a powerful book. I've, enti- I've decided to entitle this series, Snakes Around the Water. Snakes Around the Water. And We're going to be looking today at Jude, verse 1 and verse 2. And I want to entitle this message, Blessed Assurance. Blessed Assurance. And while you're turning there to the book of Jude, I'm so grateful this church is built on Christ, not a man. Every time I come home, I see it over and over again. We had Joe Bunce preach on forgiveness while I was gone. I've heard so many good things on that. Jimmy DeYoung, and I I heard about an earthquake that happened over here. I figured that was when Jimmy was (laughs) here. Jimmy's quite a case. And then we had our our own uh, Dudley Bristow, and what a wonderful, wonderful heart he has and a wonderful message he had for our church. And that's what it's all about. It's built on Christ, and I'm so grateful for that. And that's really what we're going to be looking at in our text today that security that we have in Christ Jesus, that he, he's the one it's all about, not us. No matter what trial, no matter what trial that we ever have to face, and I thought about the seniors that are graduating this month and they're having a special meal after the service and those leaving college and going into the business world and those who are leaving high school and perhaps going to college or whatever God has for them, what a message for them to be able to hear from the book of Jude in verse 1 and verse 2. Whatever we face in life, whatever trial comes our way, we already have everything we need in the Lord Jesus to face that trial. Paul said it in another way in Colossians 2.10. He says, In him, Christ, you have been made complete. Now, let's keep this in mind as we begin this study of the book of Jude. The book of Jude... As I said, it's a very small, but a very powerful and a much-needed book in the church, and particularly in the 21st century. I chose the title of Snakes Around the Water because the major portion of this book is going to be dedicated to warning these believers about the false teachers that are among them, that not so much out there, but are in here. And they take and their prey is on the water of God's Word. They try to change it. They want to exchange it for a lie. They want to distort it. And so the warning is about false teaching and false teachers that get inside the body of Christ. Let me explain why I chose the term snakes around the water. The water being the Word of God. Years ago, I was in Mississippi, and I was doing a camp. And a couple of the young people there, uh, youth leaders, they said, Wayne, we we know you like to hunt. And we, we're going to do something we think you'll be excited about this week. And I said, what's that? They said, we're going to go out and we're going to, sh- we're going to shoot water moccasins, only they're cottonmouth water moccasins. Now, how many of you know what a cottonmouth water moccasin is? <laughs> That's not a friendly snake. They're stumpy little rascals, and they're big as a tea glass in the middle, and they will eat you alive. I mean, they, they, when they open their mouth, it's white, just like cotton. And they're not afraid of you in fact if they hear you see you or anything around you they'll come to you and they're very mean there's some dead people that would still say they only well, they will not bite you underwater <laughs> it didn't work real well that they drowned that way but there's they, they have all kind of rumors about them but i want to tell you they are very aggressive very mean snakes they had a huge lake at this camp and i asked them why we were going to do that and they said well, there's so many cottonmouth moccasins on this lake. We've got a lot of children coming in here in about three weeks. They're going to be having camp. We teach canoeing. We're down at the lake. We're down at the water, at the docks, and all of it. We've got to get rid of as many of them as we can. We don't want some young child to be bitten by a cottonmouth moccasin. So I said, great. We went out about midnight. We were in a canoe. That was my first, <laughs> I should have been my first clue. <laughs> you know, if you're in a canoe, and I don't, at that time I weighed 300 but I told everybody I weighed 298 so it sounded better and they told me to get in the middle of the canoe you know why because I'm the biggest person and I sat cross-legged in the middle of a canoe you know a canoe is real sensitive and if you move too quickly you're upside down the guy in front of me had a paddle and prayer the guy behind me had a paddle I thought that's all and prayer but he also had a 357 magnum pistol that I did not know he had I think that's probably why I'm still wearing hearing aids at my age I'll tell you about that in a minute so I said, how do we do this? They had a great big spotlight. They said, well, just watch. We get out in the we get out, We're drawing about this much water. I mean, we're this high above the water. Now, they're going to come into the canoe. Normally, you have decent-sized people. You're sitting up about this far. But we're, we're heavy. We're, we're this much into the water. So we go out in a pretty good ways to where it hadn't been disturbed, and we just stop. They have little cull paddles, and they stop the thing and just ease it and idle it there. And I said, what are we doing? I said, just be quiet. Waited about 10 minutes, and then they turned that spotlight on. I had fished around these lakes for years of my life, and I'll be, I guarantee you one thing. I'll never do it again at night because when they turned it on those bushes, those cottonmouth moccasins were all up in those bushes around the lake. I'm thinking, oh, my. Of course, as soon as we turned the light on, here they come. Plop, plop, and they're swimming right out to the boat. Now, we're this, <laughs> we're this far above the water. And there, my, two, my two buddies, that were their prayer life really increased, by the way, that night. But they were saying, shoot, shoot. And I was using a double-barrel double 20-gauge uh, shotgun. Now, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but if you have a light on something and you can't see the end of the barrel, how are you going to shoot? And so finally, I just started pointing and shooting, and we killed about 14 of them in about 45 minutes. But one of them was coming towards us, and I couldn't see it. I couldn't see the end of the barrel. I knew the snake was coming. They said, shoot, shoot. I said, I can't see. And the guy in front of me said, just do something. Just shoot. And about that time, that 357 Magnum went off beside this ear right here and like to blew my eardrum out. And he killed that thing. And I mean, they were big, big snakes. Thanks a lot, Wayne. Really appreciate this. Came to church today to really be encouraged and appreciate your story. Now, why would you tell a story like that? There's a reason. Did you realize those snakes were not in the deep water? they were only in the shallow water of those lakes. Now, I want to draw an analogy with that. We have a lot of Christians that will come on Sunday maybe or whenever, and they'll they'll listen on a tape or they'll read a book, but they never get in the Word of God for themselves. They never let the Word of God get deep inside of them. They they seem to misunderstand that this is your spiritual refrigerator and desperately needed in the spiritual walk, and for that reason, they stay in the shallows. You ask them about doctrine, they don't know what you're talking about. Don't, don't get too deep, Wayne, don't get too deep. Uh, and, and, and it's amazing. They don't understand that they become fodder for the snakes that hang around the shallows of the water. The more we hang around in the shallows of the water in our Christian walk, the more we take, take it for granted that, that God's going to do this or God's going to do that, and we don't understand what His Word has to say, then what happens is, That's when the false teachers step in. They're not in the deep water. They're only in the shallow water. They can't touch you when you get out in the depths, but they can get you when you're in the shallow water of God's Word. That's why I chose the title, Snakes Around the Water. Now, in his epistle, Jude defines for us, and and we'll see that the next time begin to see it, the characteristics of these snakes and how how they attack the doctrine of the church. They seek to distort and to exchange it for deception. Now, we begin this with a greeting. Now, this understand something. This is not just a, a greeting. This is under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. And it says in verse 1, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of of James. Now, just who is this Jude? Or you could translate his name Judas. It's exactly the same word in the Greek. And some translators correctly do that in their version. The, the text says two specific things about this man by the name of Jude or Judas. First of all, it says Jude, a bond servant of Jesus Christ. Now, we need to understand that term. The, the literal word for bondservant is the word thulos. And thulos is the word that means slave. It's interesting how the translators, in order to get a different view of being a slave, like some people we view slavery uh, into existence, and they wanted to help us understand it better, they put bondservant. They didn't translate it slave. Most translators didn't. See, the word bondservant has a different connotation. It's not the kind of slavery that we understand. It's a... It's a different thing. It's, it's somebody who chooses to be a servant. Look with me in Deuteronomy, if you will, chapter 15 in verses 12 through 17. If you have your Bibles, Deuteronomy chapter 15, verses 12 through 17. Now, this is the way that slavery needs to be understood, not in the way that we understand it, not in the way South Africa understands it, not in the way the South understands it. Totally different. That's why the term bond servant is used. In Deuteronomy chapter 15, it was a custom that you could hire a person as, as a slave to work for you during a period of time because maybe they were in debt and they needed whatever and you could help them out and this, is, this, was, this was their way of doing it. And It said in verse 12 of chapter 15, if your kinsman, this is a Jewish people, a Hebrew man or woman is sold to you, then he shall serve you six years and in the seventh year, you shall set him free. That sabbatical year was when they got set free. He only, only had to work for six years. And the seventh year they were free. When you set him free, you shall not send him away empty-handed. You shall furnish him literally from your flock, liberally from your flock, and from your threshing floor, and from your wine vat. You shall give to him as the Lord your God has blessed you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this today. That's a good principle, isn't it? You were a slave, so now treat him like you'd want to be treated. In verse 16, it shall come about if he says to you, I will not go out from you because he loves you and your household, since he fares well with you. Then you shall take an awl. Now, an awl was an instrument that you would drive something through. And he said, you take an awl and pierce it through his ear into the door, and he shall be your servant forever. Also, you shall do likewise to your maidservant. They'd have a public ceremony, and they'd put a hole in their ear, possibly even of some kind of earring to put in there, something like that. I had a young person ask me one time, hey, I wear an earring. Does that mean I'm a bondservant of Jesus? And I said, probably not. Anyway, but this, they would have some kind of mark in their ear. And see, what this did, the next year during the eighth year or the first year of the next seven period of, of years, that somebody would see this same slave serving his master. And he'd step back and say, now that's a picture of love. And you'd say, well, what do you mean? He's serving his master. Yeah, but he was set free last year. This is, he's doing what he's doing because he gets to, not because he has to. See the difference? He wants to. This, is a, this kind of being a bondservant of Christ is a love choice. It's a choice out of freedom. He's not made to make it. He chooses to make it. It's like the, the disciple said one day, Lord Jesus, if, if we leave you, where would we go nobody treats us like you treat us so this is the idea this is jude who says i'm a bond servant and he says of the lord jesus christ his serving christ was a privileged choice that he made out of his deep love for christ now secondly it tells us something else first of all he's a bond servant a love slave in that sense of the word he chooses to serve the lord jesus but secondly he was the brother of james It says Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, and brother of James. Now, since this designation, brother of James, is given to him, most people agree, and I'm standing with them, that this is the half-brother of Christ, Jesus Christ. You say, why would you say half-brother? Because Jesus was born of a virgin. But then later on, Joseph and Mary had some children, and they're mentioned in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 55. Remember, Jude and Judas are the same person. It says in verse 55 of Matthew 13, Is not this the carpenter's son? Speaking of Jesus. Is not his mother called Mary? And his brothers, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? So most people believe that that's who he is. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on trying to prove that. I want to get to what Jude has to say. But now that we know, or we think we know who he is, we know about his life and how he served the Lord. The text says three things about the recipients of this letter that I just want us to dwell on today. I could have gone into verse 3 and 4, which talk about the deceivers and the battle that they're in in for. But, you know, in banks, a matter of fact, a friend of mine was telling me after the service this morning, he knew a friend in the Federal Reserve, and he said they never looked at counterfeit money, ever. They looked at the real thing long enough to where the counterfeit just stuck out. And that's what I want us to see today. I want you to see the blessed assurance that a believer in Christ Jesus has. I don't want us to get into the false teachers yet. We'll get there soon enough. I want us to make sure we, we understand what a real believer is, whose he is. I want us to see the, the, the assurance that he has of his security, the assurance that we have of our stability, no matter what we face in life. So the first thing he does here, he assures them of their security in Christ. You're talking about being secure. Now remember, everything that we face, we have everything that we need as we face it in Christ Jesus, we have everything. Jude says in verse one, to those who are the called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. Three things about the believer that are so very important. Those who are the called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. Now, if you're here today and you're a believer, these things are true about you. You need to know this. What a beautiful description Jude gives them of their security in Christ. First of all, he says, we are the called. Now, the definite article is put in front of the word called. And that means we are the called. He's he's specifically identifying believers. And he's showing something about us. We are the called The word "called" is the word "kletis," and refers to the fact that believers are those who have been called. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) Ah, Don't you hate it when that happens? But it does. (laughs) That have been called out of darkness into light. Now, the word "called" is used throughout the New Testament to refer to believers. It's something that it's, it's a it's a word that covers from A to Z what God has done to effect our salvation. We are the called. In fact, one of the better places to look and one of the most comprehensive places of what that calling involves is Romans chapter 8, verse 28 through 30. Romans 8, verse 28 through 30. It says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For th- those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son, so that we would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom He predestined, He also called. And these whom He called, He also justified. And These whom He justified, He looks all the way to the future until everything's over with, He says, these He glorified. Now, that He sees it as fin- finished, but we're still in the process. Now, the word refers to the past. It refers to what has already taken place. It it refers to what God has done to every believer's life, every believer's life. Now, it's an interesting thing here. The King James Version uses a different word than the word called. It picks it up and says that it's the word sanctified, not to those who are the called, but to those who are the sanctified. Oh, don't, don't ever discount that. Both of them paint a beautiful picture. In fact, the word sanctified gives us a lot of the details of what the word called encompasses. Instead of saying those who are the called, it says those who are the sanctified. The word sanctified is the word hagiazo. Hagiazo means to be made holy, but you've you've got to understand the, the beauty of this word. It means something was in the mud. Something was so filthy and dirty, it was unusable. And it was a mess. And somebody reached down, took it out of that mess that it was in, took it and washed it and cleaned it and got down into the details of it and made it something into brand new and was made it usable again and now gives it a brand new and a very special purpose. Wow. Wow. So putting the two texts together, we see a complete picture, a more complete picture of what our calling is involved. How God is the one who called us. He gave the invitation to us. We didn't didn't ask for it. He came to us. We didn't go to him. And he's the one who called us out of darkness into light. But what he did was he washed us, took us out of the filthy way of thinking and living and, and observing and perceiving and everything that the world does took us out of that mess, took us out of that unusable place, and he put us over into his kingdom. He washed us with his blood. He set us apart unto God for his use. I'll tell you what, when we, when we live in a world full of rejection like we do, It's good to get our heads out of this world and get our heads in the right world and to understand whose we are and how secure we are in him. If my heart's still beating, God still has a purpose for my life. And every time I ever come back from overseas flying some of the craziest airlines I've ever flown, and those wheels touch the ground, I say, well, God, you're not finished with me yet. You're still working. You're still working. Because you have a purpose for me. You called me. God, you took me out of the filth of sin and the grime of sin. And Lord, you took me and you washed me with your blood. And you put me and made me a brand new person. And I'm usable to you. And you set me apart just so that you could use me and I could join you in what you're doing until the day I see you face to face. Talk about being secure. And then he adds another phrase. He said, Beloved in God the father oh wow that term beloved is so precious and I don't think we get it it's the word agapitos it's a it's a tender word it's like when our grandchildren call little Ellie Stephens little girl is three years old now she had her birthday while I was gone and Diana had the privilege of being there and I talked to her overseas on her birthday and I said "Do you have a birthday party she said poppy I did and she can talk now and she can say things that I can understand and I call her precious, and I call her darling, and I, hey, sweetheart, or anything tender to, to my heart to hers. And Dinah calls her pumpkin, my little pumpkin. And, 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 but God calls us beloved. It's exactly the same thing. Beloved, beloved. Oh, can't you see the Lord today just taking your face in his hands and saying, oh, beloved, beloved, I love you. See, that's who a believer is. Now, the world's going to tell you that you've got to do what you do to get him to do that, but that's not it at all. You're already beloved by God in God the Father. It's used four times in Jude as a tender word to help him understand. Listen, guys, you're in the fight of your life for your doctrine, but don't worry. It's going to be all right. God knows this. God knows whose you are, and you're beloved to him, and you're, you're, you're sanctified, you're set apart, you're, you're called out of this world. You're You're unique. Like John would say, behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us, we should be called the children of God. Well, we see a believer's been called out of the ways of this world, the filth, the mire of sin. He's been washed and made holy, set apart for God's use, and he's especially loved by God. Then Jude says, and kept for Jesus Christ. The word for kept is a great word. It's the word tereo, which comes from the word teros, which means a guard or a watchman. To, somebody's preserving somebody. Somebody that's standing watch. You ever watch the, uh, the secret service when they do that with, uh, with the president? It means to be watched over, to observe attentively. In fact, uh, it, it says by Jesus Christ. And by Jesus or for Jesus Christ, but there, there's two other translations there. You can put in Christ Jesus or by Christ Jesus or Jesus Christ. I like the word for Jesus Christ is a brand new series right there, how God the Father keeps us for His Son because that's whom He's given to Him, and I'm not going there. I think the text brings us more to the idea he's, he's preserved or He's kept by the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Lord Jesus Christ. To me, it has the idea, if you want to turn with me to Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. The idea that He started it, He's going to finish it in our life. And it says in verse 6 of Philippians chapter 1, I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you, who called you, you didn't call him, he called you, began a good work in you, will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. In other words, he's going to get you from A all the way to B. So you're you're secure in him. You're, You're being kept in him and by him and for him. It's in the perfect passive perfect passive passive voice means that it's not us keeping ourselves we're being kept somebody's causing this to happen and then the perfect tense means that we are we have been being kept perfect tense means it started at a specific time our salvation and the moment we were saved from that point on we are being preserved we are being kept we're being watched over go back to that secret service guy You know, before, say let's, for instance, I become the president. (laughs) That's a scary thought. Well, let's just say, I don't know, sometimes that might might be a bad, anyway. (laughs) Let's just say that happened tomorrow. Would you know the moment you become president, automatically you have somebody beside you and they protect you from that day till the day you die? I mean, you have that protection from that point on. It's that idea, but it's much, much, much better than that. This is the Lord Jesus making sure we're his treasured possession. He's guarding over us. He's protecting us. And he's going to get us from here to here. Now, in the meantime, Jude was going to tell us as we get further in the text, yeah, there are going to be people that's going to try to distort your doctrine. There are going to be people that are going to do everything. But in the midst of it, understand it's going to be okay because you're secure in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what a true believer is. They're going to try to say you can lose your salvation. They're going to try to say that Jesus isn't the way of salvation. They're going to do whatever they do. But a true believer is one who has been called, one who has been washed and cleansed by the blood of Jesus, one who has been set apart unto him, one who is beloved by the God the Father, and one who is cared for and watched over by him, in him, and for him. Talk about being secure. That ought to encourage somebody this morning. The world doesn't offer you that, and false doctrine doesn't offer you that, but God's word does. Secondly, he assures them of their stability in Christ. Their security, yes, you're secure. You're being kept all the way through, but you're also stable in him. You know, when you get around false doctrine, it'll knock you off balance, big time. And he said, but you're stable if you stay in him. Keep looking in Him. Remember, everything that we need for, for whatever trial we face, we already have in Christ Jesus. Now, these precious believers, Jude continues and says three things about what He wishes for them, prays for them. Verse 2, May mercy and peace and love be multiplied to you. You don't need to get them. You already have them. May they be multiplied to you. Now, these three words are not just a simple greeting, I take to task. Any commentator who would say, these are just greeting words, oh my. You go back and look at the different greetings in the different letters. Some of them will say grace, love, and peace. Some of them will say different words. Why did he choose under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, mercy, peace, and love? Why did it fall in that order? And why did he pick those three words to address and to encourage the believers there that he's writing to these words that are inspired by the holy spirit are the things that they're gonna have to draw from in the battle with the false teachers they're about to have he says may mercy peace and love be multiplied to you the word for mercy is the word elios this is the compassion the active pity for others that comes from our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, for us, he shows us that in Christ, but it's also what he manifests through us for other people. You see, look down in verse 21 of Jude. You see that it comes from Christ. This this is in him. Grace is a huge house that has a lot of rooms, and one of those rooms is mercy. One of those rooms is love. One of those rooms is peace. But it's a big house. The word for mercy Then in verse 21, I keep keep yourselves, rather, in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. So he's the well that this mercy is going to flow out of. We already have it. We don't have to go get it. God's mercy that we have in Christ is what is necessary to bear up under, now listen carefully, the hurtful, hurtful circumstances of life. Jude probably has in mind that this mercy will be desperately needed to anybody who has fallen prey to false doctrine. Anybody's been knocked off balance, they're going to need mercy. Mercy from God and mercy from God through us to them. If it's us who falls into it, we need mercy. His mercy to get us back, to bear up under the circumstances that are caused when false doctrine enters. But also in the body. When people are into that false doctrine, they're desperate for that type of mercy. False doctrine causes. Now listen carefully: a miserable lifestyle. If you know truth and you're trying to walk in truth and you get outside of it, you are among most people most miserable. Because see, it doesn't offer any of the joy, the peace, the love. That only comes from Christ. And only, and remember, truth and love cannot be separated, as we studied in John. And so in 2 John and 3 John. But so this this mercy is going to be desperately needed for people who fall into the trap of false doctrine you got a battle coming but here's what you already have it'll keep you stable it'll keep you stable and you're gonna need it when you get into it the word peace is the word Irene and basically means the absence of conflict it's a bonding word It's, it's it's when two things can become one together this peace is what we already have in Christ Jesus. Now, He gives us His peace. He says in John 16:33, "These things I have spoken to you, so that in Me you may have peace. In the world you're going to have tribulation, but take courage. I've overcome the world." What is this peace for? Why did He, why did the Holy Spirit lead Him to say that particular word to this particular group? The word peace is that which unifies our hearts. Well, first with God, yes. But also it unifies believers in the midst of a doctrinal struggle you see when that false doctrine starts coming in it begins to tend to separate and to to cause people to pull apart from each other but if people will, will lean on and yield to the lord jesus christ and drink from the well that only he offers then what happens is they can stay together in the midst of this doctrinal battle that they go through this piece is especially needed in the hostile circumstances of life. See, mercy is for the hurtful and the harmful, but peace is for the hostile. And you don't think it's not hostile? When you get false doctrine into a church, it is a mean type of thing. In fact, the next word will play right on, right into that. I mean, it's, it's a, when people want you to be say it this way or have this experience or whatever, it becomes a very mean and a very divisive thing. And so he's saying, listen, you're going to be okay as long as you continue to yield to the one in whom you've been called and in whom you've been washed and in whom you've been set apart and in whom you've been all the things that we looked at. He's the well. Drink out of him. And if you'll drink from him, then he'll bond your hearts together with him and with others. And the church can stay solid and walk through any onslaught of false doctrine that comes their way. The word love is the next word he uses, which all these words just tie right together, from the hurtful to the hostile. And the word love is that word, that who, it's who God is in us. It's not a quality, it's who he is. Love is who God is. The word love is the word agape. And what it is, it's the, Willingness to do whatever is necessary for the spiritual benefit of somebody else. And that's sometimes tough. That's sometimes very tough. To do what is necessary to to, for the spiritual benefit of someone else. Love is especially needed in the hateful circumstances of life. Mercy for the heart for the hurtful. Peace for the hostile. Love for the hateful circumstances of life. You can't find any of these three things outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you're going through these difficult battles that these people are going to have, which we have even today, you to remember whose you are and to live out of the well that he offers. Don't go anywhere else. You won't find it. What you need, you already have in him. If you've ever been around anybody who's fallen into the trap of false doctrine, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Divisive. Are you kidding me? They'll pull away from you so fast and make your head swim. And they'll pull as many people as they can with. Them. And then they begin to tear you down so they can tear your message down. It's, a, it's just it's an old cycle. It's been going on all the way back to the beginning. had not changed. And what he says is, you, it's okay. It's all right. Even though they're coming in and even though many people will fall, you've got the mercy in you. Even if you fall, you've got the mercy to bring you back. And you've got the mercy within you to reach out to them. You've got the peace in your heart that binds your hearts together even if you have to come to where you don't fully agree on everything you can bind be bound together and then there's that love for the hateful things in life he picked them and he says that they might be multiplied to you you see he didn't say that you might get them you ought to have them but you might be multiplied to you made plentiful more than enough And of course anything we have that's in christ jesus we realize it more and more, the less and less there is of us. The more we're willing to say yes to him, the less there is of us. And the more of him we begin to realize. That you're going to need more mercy. And the only way to get that is to die before him, to say yes to him. The only way you're going to get more peace is to, is to make sure that your peace with him is where it needs to be. And, and the only way you're going to walk in the love is to make sure that it's, it's you're a your willing vessel yielded to him. Because here's what's coming. See, I didn't want to look at this today. I want to look at the true thing first before we start seeing the counterfeit stick up like a sore thumb look at verse 3 and 4 beloved while I was making every effort to write you about our common salvation I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all handed down to the Saints for certain persons have crept in unnoticed therefore who were, those rather who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly persons who turn the grace, no, listen, who turn the grace of our God, they take a good message, into licentiousness. They make it license and deny our only master and lord, Jesus Christ. Before he ever gets to the fight, he encourages the people, encourages them as he greets them as to, first of all, there's there's security in Christ. Don't panic. You're going to be all right if you just continue to yield to him. And there's stability in Christ. Everything that's needed to face what's coming, they already have. So just let Jesus be Jesus in you. I don't know that that blessed my heart. Preaching it twice today. (laughs) I studied it and needed to hear it three times. We need to rejoice, brother, sister in Christ. Keep looking at him. Everything else he's got in control. And he'll take you through whatever it is you have to face and keep your feet stable on the ground. Isn't it wonderful to know that we have Christ in us? While we were in Africa, Curtis went with me in South Africa and then on to Uganda. And in Uganda, we support the uh, area AMG Ministries. That's Dr. Spiro Silviati's ministry. He helped found it. And it's, uh, it's a beautiful ministry. It, it's, it's advancing the ministry of the gospel. And they have places all over the world. I've never talked to anybody that worked in AMG on any continent that wasn't a top notch. But they wanted us to go to one of their orphanages. I'll tell you what. Excuse me my cold. It's, uh, just hang with me. But we went to one of the orphanages, and uh, i tell you what, you want your heart ripped out, just go to one of those. All little black faces, Christian orphanage, most of them had come to know Christ. The stories were horrendous. We went in, and they sang for us, and they had fixed us a little snack, and they had it all fixed up. And then they, he asked them if any of them wanted to share their testimony. And one little girl started talking, about 14, 12, 14 years old. And when she started talking, men tears started flowing. Out of her, out of me, and out of everybody. Her mom and daddy died of AIDS. Her brother died of AIDS AIDS. She was HIV positive. Most of the kids in there were HIV positive. They they get all over us. They crawl all over Curtis, crawl all over me, just hang on to you and hug you and so precious. Just looking for somebody for affection to touch. And she started sharing her testimony of how she came to know Christ. They found her on the street. And then she began to weep and weep and weep because she's afraid of what's next. She didn't know if she was going to die of age. Oh, man. Curtis elbowed me and said, share with her what you shared in the church service this morning. I preached on 2 Corinthians 4, 7, and following on the treasure that you have. And I was able to look at that precious little black face, scared half to death. Never had anybody love her, but Jesus had called her, washed her, changed her. But she didn't understand a lot. And I said, Precious, (laughs) you you have a treasure in your heart. I know it doesn't look like much on the outside because we what we have to deal with. But I said, Precious, it's going to be all right. God's going to get you through whatever you have to face if you'll just keep bowing before Him, keep trusting Him. And one day, one day, He's going to take you out of here. And you're going to be with Him in a much better place forever, forever, and forever. Whatever you have to face. You know, it's one thing to say that over here. It's another thing to say that over there. What they don't have and the, the hope that none of the world could offer them. To say, you're an earthen vessel. And that earthen vessel has already been seen because of what you have. But inside of you, there's a treasure. There's a treasure. That's who a Christian is. That's who a Christian is. And Jude says to his precious, beloved believers, understand whose you are, understand your security in him, and understand your stability in him, and don't worry about a thing, just keep trusting him he'll get you through every bit of this. Then he brings up the counterfeit. Would you stand with me? Bow your heads. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity. First of all, Lord, of how you where you've put us, because You could have put us anywhere in this world lord every time every time i come home i I think about perspective and how it's changed and lord we want to thank you for the hope that not only we have but that little girl in that orphanage in uganda who has hiv and hiv positive lord thank you for the hope that she has because she knows jesus and lord thank you that you're not a respecter of persons you're a respecter of faith I pray, Father, today that as we continue on as a church, that we would learn to live in that which you say we already have, that we'd learn to appropriate what you say we already have, and we'll just continue to praise you as you take us through the valleys and you take us through the storms of life in Jesus' name. Maybe somebody here this morning, as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, that doesn't know Christ, you don't have that treasure within you, and you'd like to walk out of here today knowing that you've been called. Maybe he's working on your heart right now. He's beckoning you and calling you to himself, and you'd like to come towards me and go to my right and your left to people that would love to pray with you encourage you. Maybe you could receive him into your heart today. if Today's the day of salvation. Maybe there's somebody here that wants to join our church, and if you'd just do the same thing, come straight toward me, even while I'm talking, and go to my right, and they'll explain to you how that happens. Maybe you're here today and just need to come to the altar and say, Oh, God, I take so much for granted. I try to do it in my own strength. I try to solve it in my own power. Lord, you delivered me out of all that mess. Lord, I just want to come back, and I want to rest in you and the security that I have in you and in the stability I have in you. Maybe that's what God's doing in your heart today. Whatever. Nobody will bother you down here. That's between you and the Lord. So as Terry and the group lead just listen to the words that they're singing and how it just affirms everything that we've said from God's Word. Thank you, Father, for the awesome truth of that song. Lord, thank you for just the fact that we know that we're secure in Christ, stable in him. And may we this week, Lord, be the vessels set apart under your use that you can reflect your glory. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name, amen. Well, would you join hands together and let's just sing with Terry and the group that awesome doctrinal song that we can close with today. before you leave, come up to Tammy and to Jason and say congratulations. They're going to have a little one in December. Amen. <laughs> Thank you for coming. I love you. Praise the Lord for you. God bless you.